seated. For our scripture reading, I invite you to turn to Psalm 48. Psalm 48 can be found on page 558 in the Pew Bible. For the next several weeks, I've decided to do some free texts, that is, choosing some particular texts that I've been wanting to preach on uh, before we get back to Exodus, so just to kind of give you a heads up where we're going. And Psalm 48 happens to be one of those texts that I would like us to Uh, Consider this morning with God's help and grace. Psalm 48, a song, a psalm of the sons of Korah. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, his holy mountain, beautiful in elevation, is the joy of all the earth. Mount Zion, in the far north, the city of the great king. Within her citadels, God has made himself known as a fortress. For behold, the kings assembled, they came on together. As soon as they saw it, they were astounded, they were in panic, they took to flight. Trembling took hold of them there, anguish anguish as of a woman in labor. By the east wind, you shattered the ships of Tarshish. As we have heard, so we have seen in the city of the Lord of hosts, in the city of our God, which God will establish forever. We have thought on your steadfast love, O God, in the midst of your temple. As your name, O God, so your praise reaches to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is filled with righteousness. Let Mount Zion be glad. Let the daughters of Judah rejoice because of your judgments. Walk about Zion, go around her, number her towers, consider well her ramparts, go through her citadels, that you may tell the next generation that this is God, our God forever and ever. He will guide us forever. Thus far the reading of God's word may add his blessing upon the preaching and teaching of it. Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ in the ancient Near East, in biblical times, it was common for a city to be built on a hill. As you can imagine, a city being built on a hill would make it more difficult for an enemy to attack them, to attack the city. The city and the people in it have a better advantage over enemy forces that would attack them. Jerusalem, the city of God, was strategically built and had a good defense against the enemies of Judah and Israel. The historical context here of this psalm is not known for certain, but there are some parts in the Old Testament, some narratives concerning kings like King Jehoshaphat and King Hezekiah that may have drawn the sons of Korah to reflect upon their life, their kingship, and what God did for them and for the people in their days. And the psalmist may have recalled the days of Hezekiah and Jehoshaphat. For example, in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, records King Jehoshaphat's reign. And in that reign, he was faced with opposition from the Moabites and Ammonites, They formed an allegiance, an alliance, and then they were going to take Jerusalem by storm. Nations and kings 
formed a bond to overtake Jerusalem. And in the city of God, King Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah, what did they do? They sought the Lord's help. Particularly, they assembled together and sought the Lord's help in his temple. They sought the Lord's presence. And they prayed to God, help us, Lord. Help us in the city of the king. Similarly, with King Hezekiah, the Assyrian kingdom wanted to attack Jerusalem and Judah. They mounted a great attack against them. And Hezekiah, too, called out to God in prayer, Lord, help us. And the Lord answered their prayers. The Lord sent an angel to confuse and destroy the enemies of Jerusalem, the city of the great king, The city of our God was safe and secure because God is king there. Whatever the historical context of the psalm is, the city of God is safe and secure when the people of God fix their eyes and hope upon God, who is the true king of Israel. We're not talking about King David We're talking about the true king of Israel, God himself. This is an astonishing psalm, a glorious psalm that really elevates our faith heavenward. And that's what I want to focus on as we work through this psalm together. How does our faith, our Christian faith, elevate heavenward where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father, in the heavenly Jerusalem. Indeed, the author here is talking about an earthly city. And some Christian scholars or interpreters would have us believe that it's only referring to an earthly city, that it's not foreshadowing anything else. I believe we would disagree with when we look through the words of this text. Firstly, the city of our God. In this city, God reveals himself. He reveals himself in his city. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God. His holy mountain, beautiful in elevation, is the joy of all the earth. Mount Zion in the far north, the city of the great king. The psalmist gives a description of God's city. It was beautiful. It was radiant. Its walls and towers and citadels were amazing structures to behold. Think about being a pilgrim going to Jerusalem on the feast days, and you're approaching this great city, seeing the beauty of it, the strength of it, and being amazed. The psalmist praises the Lord because he is great and greatly to be praised in the city where his people dwell, where his people meet with him. When his people assemble together to worship him, they are praising his name because he is in their midst. He is with them. He is revealing himself to them. 
in all His glory, all His glory in the temple revealed to the Jews, the Israelites, but not just to the Jews, but it was meant for all the nations. Even in the psalm, we have an exhortation for all the nations. The strength of the city and its citadels and walls depends not upon the brick and mortar. It depends upon the builder of the city who is God. God's city sat on this mountain, also known as Mount Zion. It wasn't the highest of all mountains, but it was a holy mountain. Why? Because God was present there. He revealed himself there. He revealed his glory, his majesty, his might. In the Bible, mountaintops were a special place of revelation. Even in the ancient Near East, deities were honored and worshipped on hilltops and mountains because it was the place where heaven and earth met. A mountaintop experience. Heaven and earth meet, and there's divine revelation that occurs. And oftentimes, nations would call their cities after their God because that's where their God met them. Well, God, the Lord, the King, is heaven, uh, the creator of heaven and earth, and he alone is worthy of praise. He alone is worthy of majesty and might. He alone reveals himself for who he really is before the people of Israel. I am God, there is no other, and I will be your God, and you will be my people, and I will reveal myself to you. The Lord, He is God. He is Creator, and there is no other. He alone is worthy of praise and adoration. The psalmist dives right in the praise, right in the praise, because He is the God who has saved His people. He is the God who saved them from Egypt and slavery. He is the God that preserved them in the wilderness. He is the God that has given them the land of Canaan for an inheritance. He is the God that who took Jerusalem from a, a pagan evil nation and gave it to his people so that they, O oh Lord, that they would dwell with their Lord. The Lord chose Israel to be his people, and he chose Jer Jerusalem to be the place where he will establish his temple, where he will dwell with his people. Now, of course, God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. But in a very special, glorious way, he is with his people in his sanctuary, in his temple, in Jerusalem, in Mount Zion. And the description of God's city reinforces the fact, reinforces the fact that it is Beautiful and the joy of all the earth, not just Israel and Judah, because God is the city of the great king, the king of heaven and earth, not just the Jews. The psalmist says at verse 3, within her citadels, God has made himself known as a fortress. So that when you looked at this beautiful scenery, this holy mountain where God dwells, and you look at the beautiful structures, the thick walls, the amazing citadels or fortresses, your mind, your faith was elevated to whom? To the God who is our fortress. 
to the God who is our fortress. Yes, the city was brick and mortar. Yes, it had amazing buildings, beautiful buildings, places of refuge. But it means nothing if God isn't the king of the city. If God isn't their king. If God isn't there to then protect them. So the strength of the city and her mighty citadels or fortified buildings communicate that God is a fortress and protector of his people. When the nations see her, when they see the city, they tremble and panic. Which we now come to verses 4 through 6 where God protects his city. And how does he protect his city? He protects them from the enemies of God who seek to overpower the city with a mighty force, with evil. For the defender of his people dwells with his church always. We read there, for behold, the kings assembled. They came on together. As soon as they saw it, they were astonished. They were in panic. They took to flight. Trembling took hold of them there. Anguish as of a woman in labor. No enemy or king or superpower has the ability or power to overtake what God has possession of. He has possession of his church. The church belongs to him. And no one has the power to overtake the church of Jesus Christ. No one has the power to overtake the city of Jerusalem because God dwells with her. Before God, the nations tremble. They tremble. They see this mighty place, these mighty fortresses, and they tremble. And God protects the city. However, within the walls of God's city, God protects and keeps his people safe. Now listen carefully. Listen carefully. When God's people call upon God in faith, God will always protect his people. Listen to what King Jehoshaphat says in prayer. Listen to how he prays. He says in, this is recorded in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might so that none is able to withstand you. Do you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And they have lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, If disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this house, the sanctuary, the temple, and before you, for your name is in this house, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save us. God protects his people, those who call upon his name. Jehoshaphat would then acknowledge his own weakness 
acknowledges powerlessness over the enemy. And he would, he would ask God to protect them, protect the people. He would ask God to protect the people against these nations. And he said this also, O oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great threat, this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. God protects his city, his church, his people. The only line of defense, the only line of defense against the great forces of evil is faith in the Lord and his promises. The only line of defense against the evil one against you, Christian, is to fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. The only line of defense against any forces, whether spiritual, whether earthly, or worldly, the only line of defense is fixing your eyes on Jesus in faith. When through the deep waters I call you to go, the rivers of sorrow shall not overflow, for I will be with you, your troubles to bless and sanctify to you your deepest distress. When through fiery trials your pathway shall lie, my grace all sufficient shall be your supply. The flame shall not hurt you, I only design your dross to consume and your gold to refine. God is refining you through the fire of tribulation, through the threat of the evil one. He is refining you. Desiring that you fix your eyes on Jesus. The last stanza, stanza six. The soul that on Jesus has leaned for repose, I will not, I will not desert to his foes. That soul, though all hell should endeavor to shake, I'll never, no never, nor never forsake. What are you fixing your eyes on? What are you fixing your eyes on? When the enemy is seemingly attacking you day in and day out. We're not all too different than the Old Testament Israelites of faith. The same truth applies to us. Lord, (laughs) we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Lord, we do not know know what to do with this sickness that is in our family. We do not know what to do because of this great evil that has been committed. We do not know what to do when someone is diagnosed with cancer. We do not know what to do, O Lord, when a son or daughter has gone astray and left the faith. We do not know what to do, O Lord, when the enemy seeks to devour me, when I'm being tempted to sin and do evil in your sight. I do not know what to do. But our eyes are on you. Oh, you do know what to do, don't you? You do know what to do. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Which comes from the author of Hebrews, which we'll get to in a moment. 
by the east wind, you shatter the ships of Tarshish. As we have heard, so we have seen in the city of the Lord of hosts, in the city of our God, which God will establish forever. This idea of the east wind in Hosea, the east wind is known as the wind of the Lord. So when you read the east wind, it's usually the east wind of the Lord. The Lord uses a wind to execute his judgment. And in the days of Jehoshaphat, in the days of Hezekiah, they saw the Lord's might and strength, his protection from the great armies and kings of the nations. I want to read to you again from 2 Chronicles 20 because King Jehoshaphat turned his eyes away from the Lord. He turned his eyes away from the Lord, and listen to what happens. Jehoshaphat joined with Hezekiah, king of Israel, who acted wickedly. He joined the forces of the world. He joined an evil force, an evil king. He joined him in building ships to go to Tarshish, and they built the ships in Ezion Geber. Then Eleazar, the son of Dodavahu, of Marashah prophesied against Jehoshaphat, saying, Because you have joined with Ahaziah, the Lord will destroy what you have made. And the ships were wrecked and were not able to go to Tarshish. Because he neglected the trust in the Lord and side with evil, side with the world, he faced consequences. But those who trust in the Lord find a hiding place, protection from evil and the world and sin and Satan. Thirdly, God's city proclaims God's faithfulness to the ends of the world or the ends of the earth. At verse 9, we have thought on your steadfast love. This can be translated loving kindness or faithfulness. We have thought on your loving kindness, O God, in the midst of your temple. As your name, O God, so your praise reaches to the end of the earth, from the temple, to God, from God's presence, to the end of the earth. God's praise shall be declared. Your right hand is filled with righteousness. Let Mount Zion be glad. Let the daughters of Judah rejoice because of your judgments. That is, let the people of God give praise to God in faithful expression of his goodness and grace to them. From Mount Zion, the name and praise of the Lord are proclaimed to the ends of the earth, not just Israel and Judah, but to the ends of the earth because his fame will be made known and his judgments will be made known. And so once again, the author draws our attention to the city of our great God, Walk about Zion, go around her, number her towers, consider well her ramparts, go through her citadels, that you may tell the next generation that this is God. Our God forever and ever, he will guide us forever. The strong towers which were made of brick and mortar were strong places of refuge, but they ultimately elevated our mind, the worshiper's mind, heavenward, to the king who protects his people by his power and might. 
Tell your children, tell generation after generation that God is protector, that God is defender of His city. He is the good shepherd who guides us forever. Literally, He guides us beyond death. Literally, He guides us beyond death. What is beyond death? Well, beyond death is forever. What is forever? Forever is life with God who has protected us and preserved us in this life for the life to come. Beyond death is a life with God forever in the heavenly Jerusalem, Mount Zion, which is the city of God. Congregation of Christ. As I mentioned earlier, there are some interpreters who believe that the city of Jerusalem will be raised up once again and become firmly established. There are some who would say that the temple will actually be rebuilt and sacrifices reinstituted. Yes, there are denominations that say this and believe this. But Christ came and died, and all the Old Testament ceremonial laws have been fulfilled in Christ, and has, the Old Testament has become obsolete in that sense. We do not sacrifice at a temple. We, not, we do not travel to a temple to meet with God because Jesus is the temple of the living God. In Christ, we have God in the flesh. He is the temple of God. And we have become the temple of God. We are living stones of that temple. That's why we now worship in spirit and in truth. We draw near to God through Christ, who is at the right hand of God, interceding for us. We don't go to an earthly Jerusalem, an earthly mountain. No, it has come to us. Christ is the fulfillment of the temple, fulfillment of the Old Testament sacrifices. He is indeed the temple of God. And God does not dwell in temples made with hands. He made His dwelling plus place among his people by his spirit and word and has revealed himself to us through Jesus who is our only protection and security in this life and in the life to come. So again, I say fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Not on idols made of stone and wood and gold and silver not on saints, not on sacred buildings, not on the idols that you and I create in our hearts. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Because when we fix our eyes on Jesus, we have indeed come to the heavenly Jerusalem where he is king. Turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. Beginning at verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant 
and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. We have come to Mount Zion. We have come to the city of the living God. Have you ever approached a city, perhaps in Europe, if you ever vacationed in Europe, and you see some of these old cities? They're astonishing. Even the engineering in those days was astonishing, that they were able to uh, build such complex structures, such firm structures that have lasted through centuries. And so we're getting a picture here of the firmness and the defense of a city whose builder is God, whose king is God, whose defender is God, whose protector is God. You have come to that city. Do you know that? See, things that we don't see make it hard for us to believe that it's true or a reality. But it is a reality that indeed we have drawn near to a city through Christ because of his shed blood and he being the mediator of a new covenant. And so today we assemble assemble together. We're in God's presence. We're worshiping God. We find refuge in God's city. We find refuge in his church, which is the pillar and buttress of truth. We find protection in him. And our minds and our hearts are elevated where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So that no matter what the trial or whatever attacks come to us by the evil one, our eyes are upon you, O Lord. For where else can we go for help? And as we sung earlier, we are members of this city. You, Christian, are a member of the city and you belong, therefore, to that city. You belong to Christ. And this eternal city, this heavenly Jerusalem, will descend from heaven. And the new heavens and new earth. In Revelation, we read of this often. For example, Revelation chapter 3, Jesus tells the church, The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from heaven, from my God, and my own new name. You see, the city of our God is populated with the redeemed people of God. If you are saved by the blood of Christ through faith in him, you are a member of this city. And when this city comes down and descends from heaven, we will dwell safely and securely For all eternity. For all eternity. Enjoying that endless peace and joy. Because he is our God and we are his people. In the third century, there's a man by the name of Felix of Nola. Nola is a city near Naples, Italy. And he was being hotly pursued by enemies of Christ, by persecutors. And he took refuge in an old wall. It was kind of like a cave. And it was ruinous. It was old, decrepit. And he went into this crease, this opening. And that crease was quickly covered 
by spider webs. And when his enemies saw the spider webs, they quickly concluded there's no way he could have got, gotten in there because the spider webs are, there's no indication that they've been moved aside or anything like that. It was just filled with spider webs, a wall of spider web, essentially. So his enemies saw it and they left. Felix later said this With Christ, a spider web becomes a wall. And without Christ, a wall becomes no better than a spider web. You follow him? With Christ, a spider web becomes a wall. In other words, God delivered him. God protected him. God saved him. And without Christ, a wall is no better than a spider web. You can have the thickest of walls, but if Christ isn't on your side, you will fall. And great will be that fall. Do you know this Jesus who saves you from your sin and gives you new life and hope? Who saves you from sin, death, and hell? Do you know this Jesus? Have you repented of your sins and believed on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ so that you may be saved? Have you believed that he is your only hope against sin, death, and hell, and Satan? If not, great will be the fall. I implore each and every one of you, check your heart, check your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Children, young people, people, young adults, what is your faith built upon? The coattails of your parents or upon Jesus? Is Jesus Lord of your life? If he is, then you have come to the great city of our King, Mount Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Father in heaven, we give you thanks and praise for the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, who laid down his life as a ransom for many, who secured for us an eternal redemption, an eternal inheritance within the city of our great God and King. For we indeed have come to Mount Zion. We have entered the city walls through faith in Christ. And indeed, we do not know what to do. We simply call upon your name trusting in your grace and mercy to bring healing, restoration, reconciliation, and peace with God and our neighbor. Oh, Father, help us, we pray. Help us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross and its all, all its suffering and shame. And he did it for us so that we may be protected and preserved until that day of redemption when you shall come again, Lord Jesus, to judge the living and the dead. We pray this in your precious name.